Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Good morning. There we are. It is so good to be here. I have so many memories, and I know a lot of very familiar faces, but this morning, as I'm here with you, even though I'm here representing CityServe, and I've been, I'm, I'm the executive director, so I do lead CityServe, there is so much more uh, I want to share about here this morning. So I asked if I could do this and come here myself. Uh, me and Jennifer, normally, uh, we, um, you know, we have other people uh, talking about this, but we're excited about, for sure, from CityServe, resourcing uh, your church and Chris. Pastor Chris, as you've been reaching out uh, to our team, I know that we'll be able to help in a number of ways, more than just goods and kind that you're starting to see. There's some really, really incredible creative ways that the Lord is resourcing his people, his church, not just to have good church, but to be the church every day. Uh, I think that, um, in fact, if I think about even going back, Pastor Johnny, as, as we were here uh, before we he was living that out in the community also in a powerful way that I know you still do. And I'm sitting here uh, in service watching as you come up and pray. And I just, I just have so many memories. What you might not know uh, is, is that, you know, we were missionaries as I came. Now, this is 20, some eight. We've been married just over 30 years. But as we started out in ministry and we were going to reach unreached people, and the division was and has not changed, the idea that Jesus is coming back soon. And Matthew 24, speaking to Jesus' imminent return, he starts speaking about things that I think we watched the news just a couple of minutes today, and we'll all feel that this is, this is happening more than any time before. But Jesus was telling his disciples, this is how you know the beginning of birth pains, rumors of war, earthquakes, beginning of all those things. And we certainly city service working in, um, in many places. In fact, in Ukraine, we're, we're feeding about hundred and. Uh, 10 to 120,000 hot meals every day through churches across the country of Ukraine in 1,800 churches. We're seeing incredible things happening in the middle of terrible darkness. It impacts the whole world as we know it. Uh, Jesus' church and his gospel is going forward in ways we could not even imagine. And we believe for a revival. Europe has gone off the cliff in its secular way, but we see Jesus is doing great things there. But our vision was the idea that the gospel must be preached. In fact, the gospel shall be preached. Jesus said, in, he said, he made this statement in Matthew 24, verse 14. When he speaks about all this beginning of birth pains, he clearly says that no one knows the day and the hour. But in verse 14, Jesus says that the gospel of the kingdom, not will be preached, hopefully. Uh, he said the gospel of the kingdom will be preached as a testament to all nations, and then then will come. It was not a suggestion, not hopefully. It was a prophetic declaration that this will happen as time draw near. So as we were speaking and me and Jennifer started, we worked and still are with helicopters and we were reaching unreached people with the help of helicopter, going to Ethiopia. Uh, Pastor Johnny here in the building down at the corner by the street, we preached there uh, before this was built. And, and um, every year, in fact, it's one of the first churches here in, in Kern County that supported our mission work, and we set out to reach unrich people almost 30 years ago. So when this church was built, this building was built, you might not know this, but uh, 98, 
Up here in the office, we used this address to form Joshua Campaign International. And this was the corporate address, this church building. And uh, we had an office in the corner together with all the pastors up here. It was just a physical address. But the vision was Jesus is coming back soon, and we need to preach the gospel for every person. In fact, the vision statement was, we call it still, one chance for every person. Based on Joshua, the first chapter, Jesus is coming back. we got to mobilize the church and preach the gospel everywhere to everybody. The idea that the birthright, everyone should have a chance to hear the gospel. From Matthew 24, 14. Because the gospel will be preached. Not should, not maybe. This will happen. So we set out uh, to form this Joshua campaign out of here. And in fact, the first offering for Joshua was uh, Westside Family uh, fellowship gave it a first offering and we started Joshua campaign. We are celebrating 25th year Yeboli this next year. In fact, this 98 we formed up here. We've been seen out of this church. And I just want you to hear because this might not be a story you even have heard, but we are celebrating our 25th year Yeboli next year and we have over 5.2 million recorded decisions for Christ across Africa and Indonesia today around the world. Unbelievable. And it has, I'm saying, has nothing to do with us or me. In fact, today we have other people leading it. And I know from our movement, Pentecostal Church of God in SoCal District, we have a missionary pair preaching in the churches. He's leading that work. In fact, what we set up to do, and we were sitting back here penning the vision 28 years ago before we registered that as a ministry uh, or mission organization. But the Joshua campaign, the vision was we called it 3M. From the first chapter in Joshua. Mobilization, mass evangelism, and mission networking. So the crusades we started with. And then mobilizing churches. And it's really led into the last 25 years. Almost three cycles of seven, eight years. First was Joshua campaign. It still continues today. And we're celebrating uh, this jubilee. And it still is continuing every year doing crusades. In fact, I'm, 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 I'm leaving on Tuesday to preach a crusade in Brazil, right on the border of uh, Colombia and, um, and Brazil and Peru. And it's a border town where people come from all the countries and we have a crusade. And then we're sending a team up Amazon River that goes right by this town called Tabatinga uh, to four of the what we consider unreached tribes remaining on planet Earth. There are 11 tribes left in South America that have had no introduction to the gospel. That's how close it is around the world. There are just a couple of hundred left. So we have identified four in Brazil we're targeting. So we're sending teams that is going up the river of Amazon here for the next month to locate those tribes and start working with church planning teams. But this is still happening. And, and this crusade is happening next week under Joshua. But I kind of, we moved on, me and Jennifer, those teams, and that work is continuing. But we... We started Mission 111, mission schools that still students has come from our SoCal district and across the world today. Uh, we have students leaving uh, to Ethiopia. In fact, I have a, a family member here. You, you know, there's so many things that changed since we were here starting up. But I have a son-in-law with me sitting at the end almost. And then I want to have Jennifer come up and share for a minute. But why don't you stand up almost? Let me introduce you. He's leading, he's leading a mission school for Mission 111, training young missionaries. In Sweden, they're a great campus over there, and he's a Swede. So, uh, you know, you, uh, <laughs> I, I told Hannah, I don't marry a Swede. I don't know if you can trust him. You know, I'm born a Swede. So uh, somehow she went there, and she found a Swede that we do trust, and we love him very, 
very much. But they are setting out for a mission as well. So the first M, mass evangelism, we began. The second M was mission, mobilization, and Mission 111 was launched, and we started mission schools, and that's still going on. And, and then the third M was uh, uh, mission networking. And so this was it. We had 20 in that room back there. I see the door even. We were penning this vision down, the 3M. And the third M was mission networking. And that was the foundation for CityServe uh, that I'm here to speak about today. And out of, out of that vision, CityServe is now really resourcing churches around the world in a really kind of unique way. But I, before I continue, I, I did feel like I need to give Jennifer some time to come up and greet you this morning. So I do want to have her come and share for a moment. Because in the service for CityServe, you know, today we call it one equals two. And we'll talk about what that means today. But I, uh, we say our vision is from the neighborhood to the nation. So one equals two in the service today that we call that. You will see a card kind of here in your pews. I, I don't want you to leave or be confused what it is. We do this for our resources. We're asking churches to do this one, one Compassion Sunday. We want to talk about the vision. The idea is that people help give, and it helps from our neighborhood to the nations. So one gift helps uh, resourcing, getting resources to you here uh, in California or to Wasco or to your church, but also what we're doing around the world. So we want to talk about this. We're beginning with uh, the nations here, but I, I, could not, uh, I could not not talk about our history together because you are here at Westside, such a part of what the Lord has done right out of here around the world. Where literally millions of people has had an encounter with Jesus around the world. Really. And I know the Lord is going to bless you. Uh, in fact, I am having such a sense of God's incredible destiny when we don't even understand it at the time when we sit and pen that. But what the Lord had in mind. And as I believe Jesus is coming back soon, you will hear still some stories on what the Lord is doing. But I think you're part of some incredible things uh, out of here that uh, I want you to hear about today. And I pray that you, you hear it in a way that, you know, uh, what this church has meant to it. And in the beginning when they sowed seed into our work and what the Lord has taken that seed and done with it, it's really nothing less than extraordinary. It really is nothing less than extraordinary. So I wanted Jennifer to make sure she greets you here before I get into a word this morning. It's so good to be with you as I walk through the doors. Um, and for probably most of you, you we're, we're, we're going to be a new speaker. But for many of you, I, I just had to come and just say thank you. Um, really, there's a few churches that start out with you when you're going into um, ministry. Or for us, it was, a, it was a pretty extreme mission call that become pillars of when you look back at history, just pillars that walk, that um, stand with you, but also adopt you in. And um, if you realize it or not, we consider this church right here um, one of those pillar churches in our lives. And, and I just had to come. This is very rare that Carl and I um, actually travel um, to churches together or even do this one equals two with city serve service. But when we, when, when um, your team scheduled city serve, we said, we'll take that one. And we cleared our schedule to be here with you today. Just, and really, I just wanted to say thank you for many of you that have walked with us, that have supported us, that welcomed us in. 
and you know um, our four children, you have, every time we came back from Ethiopia off the field, it was a little bit of a, an adjustment. We were always welcomed in, and I just wanted to say thank you, and I just, um, I'm believing that the Lord is doing a work in these last days, that it's not just a one, 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 show, one person show. It's not a one evangelist show. It's the local church coming together as all understanding that we're participators. We are invited in by the Holy Spirit. And God, in the very beginning, sent his son. And together they sent the Holy Spirit that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit to do what? To be sent out. And so this service today is just a, is a, a, a going deeper in the understanding that it takes all of us, that we're all participators. It's not a type of a, a message or a call that maybe we have formed in the past that you can either pray, you can go, or you can send. Um, actually, that's not even theologically right. We actually all need prayer, and we all pray. And we all pray for God's kingdom to come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Wasco will be saved, that the ends of the earth will be saved and know Christ. So we all do that. But we all go through seasons that sometimes we go and sometimes we send, but it does not say, if I send, I don't get to go. Because the Great Commission is this, that Jesus in his authority premised his Great Commission by saying, all power and authority is given to me. And then he says, in that, we go to where? We go to all nations, including our neighborhoods. The word go there, not to take Carl's stage at all, but I just wanted to say that we, that we need to open up our hearts to hear this message because it's not an either or, it's a both and. We are called to send and we are called to go and we're all called to pray. That's who we are in Christ. But in go, the word go there is not the command. The command is to make disciples. The word go there means in going, everywhere you go all the time, what do we do? We go and make disciples by telling people about Jesus and then we, teaching the, we teach them of all things. And what I love about the scripture and that, you know, I, I talk about the scripture everywhere I, 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 I speak or even if you give me a microphone, I'm going to talk about the Great Commission because 53% of Christians that are in member, that are members of a local church can't even, don't even know what the Great Commission is. So we have to understand that when we face the, 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 when we face life and when we, we are born again and we believe that Jesus Christ is, is our Lord and Savior, we are called and we are commissioned to go everywhere we go, everywhere in, in every place, that it doesn't eliminate some to, foreign, to become a foreign missionary or a pastor or an evangelist. It's all of us engaging in wherever we go. And the wonderful testimony of that is the Great Commission. It's like, oh, you're just going to put a burden on me. No, it's for us to understand who we are in Christ and who Christ is, all power and authority. That means wherever I go, if I'm facing an unreached people group, if I'm facing whatever it is in society, homelessness, addiction, that all power and authority is given to Jesus, and I go in his name. But also when we go, he promises this, and this is my testimony of my life today. That when you go, he said, and I will be with you always to the very end of the age. And I can say this right now, that we have gone into Ethiopia and we have seen millions of people saved. And, and that's because he is with us. 
If we go into a local area in, in California, and, and Carl will talk about this, but the Lord also is allowing us to get grants for $30 million for our homelessness right here in Bakersfield and, and around in the surrounding areas. That's because all the power and authority has been given to him. And when I go, I go in his name. And then that means that he can provide a $30 million grant for us to reach homelessness. Why? Because he cares about the salvation and the redemption of, 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 of his people, of us and the people that we're to reach. All to say this, my testimony is this, where we go, Jesus is with me. Jesus is with me in the trial. He's with me when we were at the mountaintop. He's with me in the victories. He's, he's with me in every low valley. And I can say this, but we have to be willing to put action to it and go and understand that we are not just ones to sit on the side, but we are participators in the going side. To where? To our neighborhood? To where? But all the way to the two billion people have, who have never had one chance to hear and reach people groups. We're all called to go. All of us. So I pray that as you hear Carl and the vision of City Serve, that we all know that we're all called to be participators to go. Because he's given us all power and authority. And in going, he is with us. And he'll provide everything that we're in need of. Even that we get to serve the Lord together. I'm so thankful for Wasco that the Lord put me around your table. And that, we get, that I have gotten to serve Jesus with you and with your partnership. Again, I just want to thank you for just always opening up your heart and your, and your arms to us. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, I got to be careful letting go of the mic there. You understand, but that's okay. <laughs> that's very good. We, uh, so as I'm getting into the word, it's so much... It's beyond coincidence. Joshua campaigned the first and mass evangelism right up here on that upper floor. Uh, the second and Mission 111 launched on Camp Bethel, Bethel in the Hills. You're familiar with all of that, lots of youth camps. In fact, everybody I think of you here know that. We launched Mission 111 that today has schools also around the world and campuses everywhere. Uh, so I'm talking about the third M here. Uh, for me personally with you, which is CityServe and Mission Network about resourcing the local church. What we're arguing today in, in our country, in the United States, which includes California and Wasco, and what we say, it is difficult to live out faith the way it is. And I agree. When we look at our state, it's off the cliff in so many ways. I, it is hard to accept where we're at as a society in so many ways. But it doesn't mean that the gospel is stoppable and Jesus doesn't have all authority. So as we're into a new season here and talking about what the church is, our argument has been, and we didn't know this when we launched this uh, very idea of city serve. In fact, uh, just six years ago, uh, when we start talking about resourcing the churches and, and, and working, empowering the churches, the argument is, and is still today, that we've been really good for a long time in our country. You know, as you know, uh, many of you, and for you that is first uh, with us, I'm, I'm born in Swede. So the kingdom of Sweden, uh, if you know any, uh, uh, you know, current conditions, Sweden is one of the most secular countries on planet Earth. That was not the, 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 the original uh, truth. In fact, we were very Christian. The official separation church and state was just 23 years ago, I think uh, 2000. 
they separated church and state. So we were all born Christians, Lutherans nonetheless, but Christians, you pay still today, church tax, 2% in Sweden, uh, to the church. You know, so, so uh, they were not just so secular. It was not just a secular society in our country. And California, for sure, is leading the way uh, in our nation, in the United States. Also, it's going very much the same in so many ways. It's going very secular in so many ways. The church is not always the central part of what we're doing in all things in society. And for sure, a big part of the country is trying to write the church out of it. But it still is true uh, that the church is God's answer for a broken world. When we look at all the issues, whether it's refugees flooding Europe or whatever crisis in Ukraine, when it's a full-on war, it's the local church that's the first responder, that is people of compassion, that's God's answer to a broken world. Now, the true answer is the gospel of Jesus. You can't change people, a homeless person or their addiction issues. It's not just about a program. It's the gospel of Jesus changing hearts that causes them to have a potential future of any life of freedom, dignity, or being restored. We all know this. But still compassionately responding to it, God's church is the answer. But what happened in a secular, and, and for sure this happened in Europe, when the continent of Europe started to go secular and also Sweden, we were really good at this one idea that we can just have church. In fact, we focus so much money and time on production. And I'm not against production. I mean, I love having good church, good preaching. I'm an evangelist. I love good church. But... <clears throat> We put a lot of resource on just having church, preaching good, singing. In fact, this was true in Europe. More lights, more smoke screens, more video screens, more production, better production. And all of this is great. I'm not against any of it. But having church was not enough when the world goes more and more secular and more and more brokenness is happening outside our doors. And we, the church, God's people, are not involved in it. Over time, we lose credibility. It's not our mission to help everybody, but it's part of what Jesus modeled. If I serve, I actually reclaim credibility. The truth has not changed. So having church is great, but really if we want to see revival, we got to be the church. And I'm talking about this in cities of serving our way back to. It's not that we don't have the truth, but just caring about people that is hurting. So this society, in fact, I understand this. The governor Newsom doesn't have answers to some of the issues. This is our, our, in fact, our, our state is so messed up, I don't even want to talk about it. But it doesn't mean the church cannot help being in the middle of it. So we argue that the best human resource in our nation is the local church everywhere in every neighborhood. It knows where the people are. It knows the broken people in its neighborhood. It knows what's happening, and it can serve right into it. It's God's answer to the, to the, to the problems. So we start resourcing it. In fact, what we started with was convincing some of the retailers, Amazon. We didn't know at the time if it started with actually Costco. Then somehow a window happened. And what happened is that they have a financial problem just getting rid of stuff. We have an environmental problem. They're trying to recycle it. But I didn't even understand how big that problem is. Amazon last year donated almost $3 billion worth of resources. It's ridiculous. Now... That resource 
It's, 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 the number is so big, it's almost hard to get around. It's so much stuff. We have so much wealth. And at the same time, we have so many broken issues and so many issues in our neighborhoods with homeless, addiction. The issue is not that we don't have. It's the delivery system. We don't have a distribution system, and that's God's church to connect it to the need. So we argued to everybody, the businesses, the country, the society, God's answer is the local church everywhere. We have the answer, and this is before COVID, before the country shut down. We didn't understand what would happen, but somehow, overnight, suddenly, COVID comes on the scene and shuts down how we have church altogether. No one understood in fact, no one predicted it. It was not a whole lot of prophecies even predicting it. So somehow, suddenly, overnight, almost every church worldwide was shut down. And we couldn't have church the way we used to. But also overnight, we were able to make this case in a way that no one had seen before. We said, look, when 50 million Americans are sent home furlough without pay, and suddenly the farmers can't even farm, the restaurants, half of the food that we produce goes to restaurants. And you can't go and eat in a restaurant. What do we do with it? The dairy farmers were flushing milk down the drains. The food was being wasted. So President Trump at the time, he was saying, hey, let's create a program. In fact, we were part of designing the program. We said, the only way you can serve the whole country overnight, it's not the food banks. We love the food banks. It's not because it's only 220 food banks in our country. There's 3,400 counties. That's not enough. In fact, overnight, that infrastructure collapsed. So we came in. We're able to convince the president at the time. We have a solution. And the program they designed was called Farmer to Family. Let's save the farmers by buying the food they can't sell. Let's save the restaurants. Let's save the trucking industry that was parked overnight by trucking it to neighborhoods and churches everywhere and serve the people that can't have food, that lost their jobs instantly overnight. And we delivered the first year over 600 million pounds of foods on churches across America, in every county, in every town. We prayed with over 40 million people in parking lots. In Oklahoma, they had water baptisms. They prayed for sick, and then they gave away food. It was like everywhere when the country was shut down in COVID, cities suddenly became somehow an answer. So the Lord knew somehow something that we did not know, that the church is the answer, and we ended up being somewhere on the radar coming out of nowhere. Uh, and I'm reading a scripture I've been preaching uh, two for years, but I want to look at it if you have scripture Bibles with you today I want to look at two passages Matthew 24 I was referring and referencing but I want to look at the book of Haggai the first chapter if you have Bibles with you I've been preaching in a long time uh, In fact, I probably preach it even here when we set out because I believe that this is true But I didn't know it would come true in this way uh, and, and, I, and I believe we're living in, you know, last days, 30 years is not that much. We're living, I still believe in the last days. But in the book of Haggai, the Lord is speaking to, uh, the prophet Haggai is speaking to uh, the restoration of the temple, rebuilding of the temple. The people of God was captive in, in Babylon. They had been taken out of, into captivity. They were in Babylon. And the book of Ezra kind of narrates this. There's several books, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Ezra. But in Ezra, it kind of 
talks about the narrative, how they are in captivity, how they're being saved or rescued or delivered and being brought back. And the assignment they're being brought back to is to rebuild the temple. Everyone say the assignment. The assignment. The assignment, I believe everybody is not just, you're not just saved to life, you're saved to purpose. I believe God has an assignment for everybody of us. That's not maybe for all of us to go to an unreached tribe. That's mine. My assignment is what I believe the Lord has given. But we all are planted in a world, in a place where you have neighbors, friends, work colleagues that you can influence for Jesus and be witness to. We all have an assignment. The assignment that also Jesus gave to the church corporately was to build his house, right? To, to preach the gospel to every person, to make disciples of all nations. That was the assignment that Jesus gave to the church. Matthew 28, Jesus references the Great Commission, right? Go and preach the gospel to every person. Make disciples of all nations. Teach them all things. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and I will be with you. The great assignment given to the church. Now, the people of God in Ezra or in Haggai here, they were given an assignment, but it's very much a type and shadow of the assignment, the Great Commission assignment. They were in captivity in, in Babylon and being rescued out of that captivity. It was to go back and build, rebuild the temple of God that was destroyed, the temple of Solomon. So in the first chapter in Haggai, they started to build. The background story is that they started to build this assignment. And it's very much what also the Gospel of Matthew 24 is talking to. So when I'm speaking to you today about this assignment, about being the church today, this is the assignment that also Jesus spoke about. Now, not building a temple of brick and mortar, but it is the new assignment Jesus gave of living stones, Right? First Peter says we're living stones fitted together in the great household of God from every tribe, language, people, and nation. That's the great commission that all nations will hear the gospel and will be fitted together. That's the great assignment. Jesus declared, he said, I am the chief cornerstone of that temple building. But this type and shadow story of the rebuilding of the temple speaks about it and also some of those challenges that will come. But what's interesting is here uh, the, the, the blessing or the curse that comes with it. So Haggai in the first chapter, the Lord comes to them and he starts speaking to them. The first couple of verses, I'm, I will read very quickly. But if you look at the first chapter, verse uh, 9, uh, in fact, it's, it's starting verse 5, 6. Let me start reading there. This is what the Lord says. Give careful thoughts to your ways. You planted much, but harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You put them close, you're not warm. You're in wages, only to put them in a purse with holes in. Give careful thoughts to your ways, the Lord says. And, and, and he speaks and he prophesies uh, here through Haggai to the people of God. And notice that, uh, verse 5, 6, as he's speaking to them, he's not speaking to a people that is lazy. He's not speaking to people that don't want to see harvest. We have maybe some farmers here. You understand when we, we want to see harvest, we plant, right? We sow seed, we plant. If you want to see much harvest, you plant much. So these people planted much, worked hard, expected harvest. In fact, it says you expected much but turned out to be little. Hardworking people, having faith for harvest, wanting to see harvest, planting much. But what the Lord is saying, what you have worked for, you don't see. It's like putting 
money in a purse with hole in it. It's like it's not blessed. That's what the word of the Lord says. It was saying to them, it's not blessed what you're doing. Why is this? Now, I'm not, I'm not drawing two big lines here, but I'm speaking to us as an American church. I'm speaking to us as a country that includes you and me here. I believe we're coming into times where you and me are being asked to become not just having church, but be the church. Live it out every day. And it's part of God's favor and blessing over your life. This Simon has. I'm not suggesting today you got to go to an unrich tribe, but I guarantee all of us here, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, there is somebody in your life that you have influence over that you can share the gospel with, not just preaching to him, but just the way you live life. That's your assignment. You're planted in that world and to live out faith and be a witness what he has done for you. That's all our assignment. It's interesting here that we have, as a nation, the last 40, 50 years from the church, being involved in some of these things, turning into a lot of production. We come to church on Sunday, and that's what it means to be Christian. I think that's great. It's important that we come. I'm just suggesting that somehow, when we look at our country and the way it's going, it's not just the politicians' fault and D.C.'s fault and Sacramento's fault. It's also a question, where is the church? Where is God's people? There's no question if I talk to any pastor around this country that doesn't want to see harvest. There's not a pastor that want to see revival. There's not a pastor. In fact, we have more Bible schools and uh, training programs for church growth and revival in different ways. We have more resources than any country on planet Earth. How to see growth and revival and awakening and victory. But statistically, we don't see it in our country. In fact, what we see is a declining church, not revival. Young people is not coming as much. Drugs is rampant even among young people. So why is it? Why is it that we're struggling with this? And I'm suggesting because I will say we're hardworking. We're the most innovative people on planet Earth. We're generous. We're givers. We're planting. We're preaching. There's no one here. I would say we all believe and want to and pray. Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come here. We want revival. But where is it? In many ways, similar to what we're reading, we're planting much, but we don't see it. And this is what he speaks to in an interesting way. He said, you expected much, verse 9, but see, it turned to be little in verse 9. What you brought home, I blew away. Why? Because of my house. Because of my house not being finished, not being built. Because of this, the Lord is starting to talk about because of that, I withheld its due. In fact, it says, because of my house still remaining in ruins while you're busy with your own house, because of this, heaven withhold its due, earth its crop, I call for drought on the mountain, the field, the grain. It doesn't say it was the enemy. The Lord says, I did it. The prophet speaks this. The people of God repents. In fact, in chapter 2, and I'm moving very quickly today because I want to make just a conclusive thought to this, but as, as, as they hear the prophet Haggai and he speaks to them in chapter 2, this is what's happening. They repent, and it says the people are starting to build the house. And this is what the Lord is saying. This is what we quote many times. The silver and the gold is mine, says the Lord. Verse 
10, 11, chapter 2. It says, I will once again shake the heavens for you. In fact, what the Lord is saying is, I'm opening a window heaven. I'm going to do something supernatural. What we're talking about today and what I'm suggesting today is, even as you as a church, and I'm not saying city service is the only answer, but I, I'm really excited about Chris and trying to help you and Roscoe, but I do believe, I know this church and what you've been involved in. I personally, me and Jennifer, all the work we set out, we've been blessed by you. You have sown incredible seed. But I think we're coming into time when we as God's people is asked to position ourselves to become blessable. It's not that God doesn't want to bless us. In fact, the silver and the gold is mine, says the Lord. What he's saying is all, all that you have, everything you see, I created heaven and earth, is yours. I want to bless you. But what happened is they were not, aligned, they were not in alignment with God's assignment for their life. It was a misalignment with the assignment or the purpose or God's plan. And it caused not them not to be God's people. It didn't cost them not to say that you're invited to God's house. It just cost a blessing to not be upon them, right? He withheld it. They worked hard. They tried, but it somehow didn't seem to go far. But when they realigned, when they said, here I am, use me. I know you planted me. I know I can do something. I can't fix the world, but I can do something where you have me. Here I am. Something started happening. They just returned to the building project. They just said, I want to be part of what you asked us to do. And suddenly the Lord says, here I am. I will open a window heaven. We felt, we saw that supernaturally in ways that I think has never happened in our country. In fact, I know it hasn't. And I'm not, I'm not even, my call is not even, I mean, that's great. I love people everywhere. But I'm really about unrich people. So that we got to see this during COVID it was supernatural. The first year, about $850 million were going through churches. 2020, straight from the treasury. President Trump's like, we want to help the church. So they are starting to give food for churches to do ministry everywhere. That has just never happened. And we felt like it was the Lord saying, see what I can do if you just move from just having church to be the church. So this is what we're talking about, and I think the times we're moving into that is ahead of us. Jesus is calling you and me to some supernatural things. And I think all of us, in different ways can participate in this. I know that this one equals two, and what we want to do with you is, uh, I don't want to take too much time because I think this is not what I'm asking you to participate in because you give, this is it. I'm, I'm more challenging you. I think that we can help you. I think there's resources available. In fact, what we're seeing happening right now is because of the crisis the state of California is in, they're revamping Medi-Cal. We can turn resources into your church to just counsel people, uh, to just help people navigate life discipleship, it's called. Helping find a house if I can't have a house. I mean, but be the place where they come to, not some clinic, some down the road or the government, they come to the church to get help. It's a powerful idea. 
that God's people becomes to answer for solutions in really a new way. So we're excited about what's happening. And uh, I believe the Lord has some in the midst of the turmoil and exciting things here today. So I want to pray with you. But I want to share a video and then conclude a little bit on uh, not just what we're doing. I'm here to do this one equals two. So let me take a minute to talk about it and then uh, we pray about it if you want to participate. But what it is, if you have this kind of envelope, if you share it, it's one equals two uh, ideas that we're asking churches to participate. $18 a month, uh, half is going to help resources to come to the churches, the cities. You know, we have trucking. Even though it's donated, you got to truck it to the cities or to the towns. So uh, we're doing this across the country uh, trucking a lot of, in fact, we're trucking a lot of stuff, but that's good. Uh, but the other part is going to unreached or to the nations. So it's it's one gift going to neighborhood, to the nations, we say. Uh, so we're going to share this. When you fill it, what I'm asking you to do is you, you fill it in. You have a bottom slip you pull away that it's kind of your faith promise. So what we're asking for you, if you feel the Lord speaking to you, is I want to participate and help that. We will help Bosco, your west side uh, church regardless this is what we're asking churches to participate but if you say hey i want to be part of it and invest in it you're sowing seed helping us to do uh, it for more churches in fact some of the churches that maybe do some of the best work is very small uh, maybe don't have a lot of resources um, and we're trying to subsidize who we can um, to, to to still be able to participate get resources so you put it in an envelope you seal it you give it to pastor uh, uh, jonathan lalonda here so we you know, we, uh, and we will collect those later, uh, but you seal it, make sure your information is protected. But as we pray, we, we, I, I want you to, I want you to, uh, and the Lord speaks to you, participate in this. But I want to pray with you outside this. So if we could stand today, and we have the worship team coming forward here. I want to conclude. Um, um, before a video with... With a challenge, personally, that has nothing to do with money. I'm, uh, if I can, Pastor, if we could do this uh, before they conclude the service, we show a video uh, at the end. It, it will show a little bit how the church can use some of the resources. This is a church down the street. It's a probably a Presbyterian church or something, but they, you know how they take the resources, turn it into good ministry, into the neighborhoods, uh, just uh, to kind of mobilize people. We have good tools to do it. We're happy to keep training it. And then if, uh, as they conclude service, you fill the card, great. But what I want to talk and conclude with today is not that, but the word about being aligned with God's assignment for your life. So if you're here today and I spoke to you in any way, I want to pray uh, as we conclude here with worship. Uh, maybe you'll have a team coming up here. I don't know if you have. Um, that the Lord help us to kind of make this decision of saying that, you know what, maybe, maybe I do have an assignment. There is, a, there is a neighborhood around me. There's work friends and colleagues. I might not even the best, be the best person to share faith with them. But there are some things I can do. I might be able to serve them with an item, a practical thing. But I am maybe the one called to be a witness and light for them in their dark world. They don't know you. And I might be the only believer they know. That's your assignment. And maybe you've been kind of outside it, put it on the side. Sometimes we get busy, we put it on a shelf. And you've been feeling like, man, I'm working hard. It's just not working out for me in some areas. 
And the word I'm challenging you with today is sometimes I, in fact, am convinced of this. I used to think this is a one-time-in-life decision. I think that this is decisions we have to keep doing. Almost as Jesus was saying, repeating this, saying, I need you to take your cross daily and follow me. What does that mean, Raven? That cross is about crucifying some things in our life that by gravity will keep us you just get comfortable sometimes. Busy, it's not a condemnation, it's not a judgment. It's just what busy life sometimes does to us. So I think the reminder that Jesus is speaking to today, our context, taking our cross daily, is to sometimes remind ourselves, am I really doing what you asked me to do? I got busy like the people of God did. They got busy building their own houses. And what the prophet reminded them of us, look, you're planting much, but you're not seeing it. You're working hard. I know it, but it's not being blessed because you're busy with the wrong thing. And we realign. We're saying, here I am again. And we might have to do it over and over. Take our cross daily and say, you know what? <clears throat> here I am. Use me. So if you're that person, if you're here today, if you said, you know what? That spoke to me and I just want to do it. You don't have to come forward, but I do want to agree with your faith where you're at. And I want you to, it's an act of faith saying, you know what, I need to realign a couple of things in my life. So I want you to lift your hands by faith, saying, here I am. I want to agree in faith with you where you're at. Thank you, thank you. Let's do hands all over. Keep them lifted as we pray. Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for every hand that is lifted. I thank you for every life here. I thank you for Westside Church. I thank you for the faithfulness. I thank you for the investment they made, not just in your kingdom, but even in me, in us. And what you have done with it, I pray for your blessing. But I pray, I thank you, Lord, you see our hands today. We're saying, here I am. There are some things I need to realign today. And I'm declaring it. I'm saying, I'm willing, here I am, use me. Hallelujah. We need your blessing over our lives. So I pray for a window of heaven to open over them. I pray your favor over their lives. I pray your goodness over their families, their ministry, Holy Spirit. I pray shower them with your grace. I thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. I thank you for harvest in their life. I thank you for supernatural harvest through their life. And I just pray for your blessing for every hand that is lifted. Hallelujah. Confirm it by your fullness of your grace. Holy Spirit, touch them in Jesus' name. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Give him a hand for victory this morning in faith. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.